horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. We got a Hall of Famer with us, and we got a first-time starter with us. I think we're going to have on a few times uh, over the summer months for sure. Well, I won't tease you anymore. The Hall of Famer is none other than a gentleman that won the Preakness five times, won the Belmont Stakes three times, and managed to finally grab the elusive run for the Roses one time on Little E.T. That gives it away. None other than Pat Day will be with us. He's going to tell us a little bit about, uh, well, I know he's out in Colorado, so I want to talk about his early career. And then uh, talk to us about the difference in riding in all three races is from a jockey's perspective. He's going to hate me for it, but I want to bring up the Sunday Silence <laughs> Easy Goer race. And the story was he ended up winning the Belmont by eight. But uh, that was a pretty amazing race, and there's a lot that went into it, and it was a lot of race riding. Hope he doesn't mind that I allude to that. And then uh, we'll just uh, see what he thought about, you know, the, the the Derby and the Preakness and Justifies Chances. I'm sure he watched it closely. Of course, all of us missed about a furlong of the race when they entered into the fog. I, quite frankly, have never seen anything like that in my life and been to a lot of racetracks. I remember that one time down Evangeline Downs when it was so foggy. I'm not going to say his name. He already did time for it. But uh, that the jockey held the horse in the fog until they went around the next time and then let his horse go. Too bad he won by 20 lengths. His hearing's obviously better than his eyesight. But uh, he he paid his dues and got back into racing. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk with Pat. And then uh, Keith McCalmott, uh, he is the communications manager for Woodbine Entertainment, and he's kind of their go-to guy now uh, for handicapping. He's an award-winning writer. Uh, he's covered thoroughbred and standard bred races. He's traveled all over the world to cover racing. Uh, three trips to Hong Kong. Uh, just uh, was at the races at uh, Maidan for the Dubai World Cup. Guy's got a lot of experience, but the big races are starting to kick off north of the border at Woodbine. Of course, they're kind enough to spot sponsor winning ponies so uh we will be featuring a lot of the races and keith will be giving us the inside track as we like to say but if you're going to any track or betting on any track whether you're familiar with it or not what you want is the winning ponies easy win forms just come on over look go around the site for a little while to see what you like Maybe just buy a card or a race or two and sample. But, I mean, uh, if you sampled uh, the fourth at Pimlico today, uh, you caught a $1 Super 5 off our Easy Win forms. That paid $1,904. Did pretty well at Pimlico. You know, the meat's kind of shortened now, so you got to get them while you can. But uh, just uh, five days ago, we had a $1 Super High 5 that paid 1932 We go all over the country. Uh, let's not forget uh, our boys at Mountaineer, a $1 Super 5 that paid 2100 And we go, do go down with my friend Pete Aiello to Gulfstream and pay the $0.50 cent Super High 5. $0.50 center paid $3,300. Easy win form. So we're talking about all these races. There's a lot of good ones starting to pop up at the tracks right now a lot of good races out at uh, Santa Anita this week I uh, might have time after I talk to Keith to cover some of those races well <clears throat> what did you think of uh, 
the second jewel of the Triple Crown. Justify had to work for it, but again, under very uh, wet conditions, uh, so many horses during the afternoon and so many races were scratched. Uh, Horses were even, races were taken off uh, the turf, even for a graded stakes race. One turf race did stay on. Uh, So it was just a quagmire, uh, but despite that, uh, people still went to the windows. But uh, Justify, unbelievable. I mean, he had to work for it, but good magic did not give him a breather at any point during the race. And quite frankly, from everything I've read from Chad Brown, he wasn't really happy with Jose Ortiz and the way he decided to make it a match race. You know, Good Magic has never really been on the front, and he was heading Justify for the better part of the early going of the race. But when they turned for home and uh, got near the eighth pole just before they disappeared, uh, he obviously uh, had had enough, and Justify just kept going. But from out of the clouds, Bravazo and Tenfold came flying. The race was not over. Now, Mike says he was kind of looking around after he got clear, but he never really got that clear. Some people are doubting that, but he goes, nah. He said, uh, you know, I, I had plenty of horse under me. Don't worry about it. So we'll see. A mile and a half is a whole other game, and uh, Justify will be uh, – Heading to post, so they say he was out on the track at Churchill and looking awful good. And by the way, if you happen to be in central Kentucky uh, for the next week or so, you can catch uh, him, Bravazo, Free Drop Billy, Restoring Hope, and Tenfold, who put in a bang-up race. Uh, It was a close photo for second and third in there. And uh, they'll all be out uh, every morning between 7.30 and 7.40. And it's free and open to the public that you can come out there if you don't have a backstretch pass and get to see these horses, one of them that may well be America's next triple crown racer. So uh, right now the field for the Belmont could have 11 horses uh, with uh, Audible, Bandua, Blended Citizen, Bravazo, Free Drop Billy, Gronkowski's coming in from Europe, Hofberg, Restoring Hope, Tenfold and Vino Rosso. So they are going to try to take on Big Sandy and the mile and a half challenge that is the Belmont Stakes. So let's look at some of the other stories from this week. We'll get to talk a little bit about that race with uh, both Keith and Pat, I am sure. Well, of course, the race took place at Pimlico, but word on the street and out in public. According to racing official Tim Ritvo, is that uh, there's a good chance that uh, you know even though they they set a wagering record there, uh, but again the record was on the Preakness Stakes. A lot of the other races because of the weather got hurt and a lot of scratches, uh, but there were a lot of favorites. So you know Ritvo saying it might have been the churn that kept it going, but. What they're saying is it may be inevitable that the Preakness could become the elite event at Laurel, not far away. But, uh, you know, Pimlico's just been run down, and basically they're saying we need help. We can't sink, uh, sink 200 uh, to $322 million, uh, to get that uh, – back into shape and so we're reaching out to the stadium authority because uh, I understand they want the Preakness to stay at Pimlico and uh, pretty much Ritvo said we've made it pretty clear we're not putting any funds into it 
So he said, one, we don't have any funds to put into it. We're privately owned. It has no debt and we're in good shape. And we're not going to pour millions and millions of dollars into the facility and also continue to renovate Laurel. So do not be surprised if they are ready to host the Preakness in 2020. Of course, that means things are getting a little bit tighter there. There would no be no famous Pimlico infield. We're looking to 75,000 to 80,000. So they're going to push, as we see more and more, probably towards the more premium quality seats. And Joe Sixpack, might as well sit down and watch it on your TV. Okay, Jackie of the Week, we alluded to this last week. Edgar Prado, extreme class act, 50-year-old Peruvian, got to the 7,000 plateau. He's still healthy, and he is still riding. He looks great. Uh, He sits eighth now in all-time career wins behind Angel Cadero, Chris McCarron, Dave Gall, our friend Pat Day, Bill Shootmaker, Lafitte Pinkai, and Russell Bays whom no one will ever catch. So, of course, Prado, best known for his rides aboard uh, Barbaro. Uh, If you're looking for a good time, uh, on the night of Saturday, Evangeline has the Louisiana Legends Night. So you can see all those Louisiana breads that have been racing uh, against each other for for quite a while. Now, uh, some of uh, the other races at Pimlico, uh, that we took a, a look at, and uh, one uh, that was uh, very interesting to me the day before, and of course, I've got so many papers around here, I can't shuffle it, but, uh, well, we'll talk about uh, the uh, very one was taken off the turf, uh, but that didn't stop Girls Know Best of uh, running uh, her her best effort was Smiling Causeway, one of the few exactas uh, that your smiling host uh, managed to ca- catch that day. Uh, the uh, the black-eyed Susan was won by trainer Kellen Gorner, guy I had lunch with about a week ago, and I'm going to see him on Friday night. Hopefully, I'm going to try to get him here uh, on as a guest. But uh, what about the Sir Barton, the unleashing of Axeman? A Bob Baffert trainee, after the race, he says, I don't know why I didn't run him in the Preakness. Well, Justify might have had something to do with that. But uh, they took blinkers off him. He won his last race by eight and a half, and I don't know how many he won the Sir Barton by. It was a $100,000 race at a mile and a 16th. And uh, uh, what can I say? Uh, Mike Smith in the saddle for the easiest of runs. So, uh, you know, we'll... uh, where where we'll see him, I do not know. So, uh, Axeman, put him on your list, maybe down the road or something. If uh, Justify stubs his toe, we might see him. Uh, the uh, Axeman is owned by his breeders, uh, Hal Earnhardt and Patty Earnhardt. He's a, a son of Misremembered. Believe it or not, Baffert owns the sire misremembered <laughs> kind of interesting right there uh let's see what the any of the other races on the undercard that we looked at i think those were the main ones again we're going to go out to santa anita look at those and go north of the border uh to woodbine to see some of the races up there uh, of course at santa anita they got the grade one gamely that's a three hundred thousand dollar race and the grade one Gold Cup at Santa Anita, 79th runner running. So how many great uh, horses have uh, 
run in that race. And uh, I finally got my paperwork. Thank you very much. The horse's name, trained by Kellen Gorner, was Red Ruby, who just splashed to a very strong victory. Was no surprise, sent away at 5-2, to two, a daughter of Tisnow, uh, who was bred by his owners, uh, Santa Brandy Nich- Nicholson and Steve Sexton. So uh, we will uh, be looking out for this horse. Only, that was only her fifth career start. Uh, she's got three wins now, but it was a very, very impressive win by Red Ruby. In the second spot was Coach Rocks. Guess what coach owns a big chunk of Coach Rocks? That would be Coach Patino. So uh, Coach Rocks sent away at 3-1, to one, got the second spot. And in the third spot at 11-1, to one, it was Indy Union, trained by Jeremiah Englehart. And then uh, in the, uh, the, the Pimlico Special, now these races were on Friday. That's why, John, you had them in a different spot folder um back to his winning ways it's been a while was irish war cry uh took the lead it was a long time since his last win it was the wood memorial april of 2017 so uh uh, he went wire to wire and just pulled away late irish war cry trained by graham motion his last i had a big question mark by his last race he lost by 29 and a half lengths Jose Ortiz was in the saddle that day. He was back in the saddle for the Pimlico special. And he said he had, I want to say the bumps, not the mumps. I'm pretty sure he said the horse had, had the bumps. And I'm not that well-versed at nicknames for uh, 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 horse uh, problems. But uh, he, he, call, he called it the bump. So, uh, nonetheless, got the job done. That was a really good dead heat for second. One-liner. With Louis Sayez up, a Todd Pletcher trainee, uh, dead heated with untrapped, eight to one, Steve Asmussen. So that was a very good race. Of course, you all remember the Pimlico special from the movie Sea Biscuit. So uh, we are going to take a little bit of a break. We might come back with uh, some more news of the week, and hopefully, if we get through. He's out in Colorado. I hope he's near a cell tower. We're going to be talking to Hall of Fame rider Pat Day. So uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be back. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
kick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and thanks for joining me. We are still reaching out to Pat Day, who contacted me earlier in the day and said, gotcha, my list of things to do. Don't worry about it. I'm looking forward to it. But again, he's in a whole nother time zone and anything can happen. But that doesn't matter at this point. Hopefully we can get him on. But there was a lot of things that happened last week. So let me share some more uh, results and stories with you. Uh, Kenny McPeak, he's known for his trips uh, going down to South America and coming back with uh, with horses nobody ever heard of. And he did it again. I mean, he actually uh, uh, hit the exacta in the $100,000 grade three Louisville handicap with not one, but two horses that he got south of the border. The winner, Vittori Kin, uh, rallied past his own stable mate, Harlan Strong. And so I wouldn't doubt that that was a son of Harlan's holidays. They used to shuttle him between the U.S. and Brazil. Uh, A lot of people don't know uh, that Kenny was, uh, for the most part, the uh, trainer of Harlan's holiday. Uh, for for most of his career, and then uh, Todd Pletcher took over for uh, the second half. But Kenny did have him, and uh, I know this very closely because he was an Ohio bred, believe it or not, Harlan's Holiday. So I used to get to see him run at the tracks in Ohio. So I win his first stakes race, as a matter of fact. But he grew up to be a good one, and quite frankly, he's been a breed changer. But nonetheless, his son Harlan Strong ran second to Vittori Kin. Now both of those finishers not only were bred in South America, but trained by McPeak, but it was the uh, first North American stakes win for Vittori Kin. He's a five-year-old son of Vittori who won the 2016 Grand Premio Derby Paulista. That's a grade one down in Brazil. And both horses are campaigned by his breeder, Fern Circle Stable and Stud TNT. So uh, congratulations. Kenny loves that race. That was his fifth win. He won with Pisces in 2002, Drilling for Oil in 2007, War Dancer 2014, and Some in Time. And uh, which uh, that horse, Some in Time, who won it recently, finished fourth on Saturday. So, uh, Big Peak, he knows how to pick them down in Brazil and Argentina. He likes the endurance they have. He's got a good eye for horses. Well, Uncle Mo had a 
good day on Saturday. How about the Gallaret Stakes? Uh, you know, the, the ground in the Pimlico grass course with the rainstorm, pretty clear who gets a hold of it and who doesn't, a heavy surface. And it was Ultra Brat who handled the tiring boggy turf course in the $150,000 Gallaret Stakes. Now, this was the turf race they let go. It was the grade three uh, and absolutely dominated. A lot of the other horses just seemed not to like it. Uh, Jose Ortiz in the saddle, a five-year-old Uncle Mo, she just took command on the second turn and broke away from all of them as uh, Stallion Harris uh, tired pretty bad. And, uh, you know, she just got away from them. And uh, so they were worried about running on the turf, said Graham Motion, who had a very good uh, couple of days down at the Preakness. So uh, she takes home the graded Gallaret Stakes. Now, let's go to a Winchell Thoroughbreds homebred. What a run! Scat Daddy's on. This one, it was Tap Daddy. Went wire to wire in the James W. Murphy stakes on the Preakness undercard. Uh, May 19th, of course. And uh, his milestone was uh, for his deceased sire, Scat Daddy, who now has 100 black-type wins to his credit. So, Scat Daddy, so sad you're gone. What an impact you're having on the breed. It will be interesting to see if uh, any of his sons can go on and even come close to uh, emulating him as a sire. Of course, Steve Asmussen just continues to do well. And, of course, being the trainer for the Winchells, he's always going to have a line to tap it because they own tap it. And uh, uh, it would be nice to look down his shed row and see how many he really has. So uh, Tap Daddy has now won three of eight starts. He's just shading a quarter million dollars with that win. And his lone previous effort on an off track, he finished third, but got moved up to second because uh, he got bothered in the Dixiana uh, Bourbonette. So uh, also down there, of course, the main man at Pimlico for so many years, Chick Lang. And it was Matoll who uh, absolutely took care of the uh, the Chick Lang stakes, uh, his uh, stablemate Switzerland won the Maryland Sprint earlier, but uh, he did it on his day. He reached the winner's circle and and did so in a way that makes you wonder, how could this horse even not, had lost a race? He was so Im- impressive. And so uh, Matoli, he's run some big, big numbers. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Guess who trains him? Steve Asmussen, yes. And uh, he came in there off a nine-link score in the bachelor stakes at Oak Lawn Park. So... Uh, Matoll uh, was going to be one to watch. He was sent off as the two to five favorite, got the job done. Uh, let's see. How about in now uh, the race that did come off the turf that was graded? It'll be interesting to see if they mess with the grading on it. Was the uh, Dixie, and it was a half brother to Grade One winner Mister Speaker, who won by three quarters of a length. Fire away took the rail to victory in that race. That was the uh, the Dixie. I'm trying to see if I got the PPs on that. I do. And uh, again, now in this race, world approval was supposed to go. That might be the reason they took it off the grass. He scratched. So without world approval in there, they really didn't have a, uh, you know, a huge uh, – 
uh, draw card there. Uh, but nonetheless, fire away a six-year-old son of Warfront. Again, half-brother to Mr. Speaker, uh, had been training so well for Suge McGahee, he decided to, to let him go on the off track after half the field uh, was withdrawn. He said he you know, was really hoping he'd run him on the grass since uh, all of his lifetime, first, seconds, and thirds, six, four, and four, had come on grassy courses. So um, he got the job done. We know two things about Fire Away now. He's going to be very valuable to Stallion, and he's proven his diversity and the fact that he can go uh, – on the turf, and he can go on and off track. I don't know if you're watching any of the sales this week. A lot of times that's fun to watch these uh, young two-year-olds put their show on. Some of the speeds have been amazing, but Magdalia Oro lit it up at Timonian with a $1.2 million Colt uh, who absolutely flew. Uh, of course, he only cost 475 as a yearling, but is now 1.2. Uh, he was uh, so, so quick. It was just uh, unbelievable. Now, the buyer was Dennis O'Neill. So uh, don't be surprised if you see this horse in the Doug O'Neill barn uh, a little bit later in his career. Now, of course, we have our NTRA uh, three-year-old poll. Justify, big surprise there on top, and he was second in the overall poll. Uh, in the NTRA three-year-old poll, it was Justify, Good Magic, Audible, Bravazo, and the lady, Manami Girl, got there, followed by My Boy Jack. Excuse me, sneeze button. Bolt the Oro, who's supposed to go in the Met Mile. Uh, tenfold, Magna Moon, and Instilled Regard. So Justify is going to be on the top of a lot of lists. And then for horses of all ages, he was just bested by West Coast. And then it was Justify, uh, Mind Your Biscuits, who I believe was sold to New Connections this week. And uh, City of Light and Accelerate, who uh, I think we'll get a look at uh, this weekend in the big race out at Santa Anita. So uh, those were the top Older horses, or three and up, I should say. But uh, it was a very strong uh, spring meet uh, at Churchill. They had a record Kentucky Derby week. So management there has decided to go with a 10% purse increase for the overnight races. So uh, rain, rain did not make the betters go away down in Louisville, but it's good to see management passing some of that money along to the horsemen down there. So uh, we are going to uh, see that that 10% increase at Churchill Downs. And don't forget, they got, uh, if you're looking for something to do on Thursday nights, they got Twilight Thursday nights down there. So uh, that's what's happening at Churchill. Nationally, well, we talked a lot about it last week, Frank Angst, uh, the effect of sports betting on racing and the NFL has met with the uh, feds and they want them to enact sports wagering standards. So 
I don't know if the NFL is calling the spots, but uh, Roger Goodell said uh, that there's no greater priority for me as the commissioner of the NFL than protecting the integrity of our sport. Well, they've been betting on the NFL in Vegas for many, many years, and nobody's worried about integrity. They've gotten the job done, so I don't know why anything's going to change now that uh, that you and me can go to a local outlook. Um, so, you know, basically uh, – I think everything's going to be fine, but, you know, they wanted to make their statement about sports betting, and that is certainly uh, their right. So uh, the NFL uh, taking a stand, and, of course, they also took the stand on making sure their players stand before kickoff. All right. Well, we're going to be coming up here shortly with Keith McCalmet from Woodbine, and he's got the inside skinny on the grade two eclipse at Woodbine and the one-mile turf Nassau. Uh, the Eclipse will be Saturday, the Nassau on Sunday. Of course, Woodbine, our major sponsor here at Winning Ponies, and then we will be going out west. I want to just kind of bring you up to date before you start handicapping out west and give you a look at the big races out there. Uh, the Gold Cup at Santa Anita, of course, that's a legendary grade one, and the grade one gamely. 300000 for the ladies. All right, that's what's happening in national news. I'm sorry that we couldn't connect with Pat Day. Knowing Pat, he'll probably want to make up, and perhaps we'll have him on uh, next week or you know, sometime prior to the Belmont to talk about race riding and uh, how you kind of have to get ready for Big Sandy in that mile and a half and what you have to do to nurse your horse along. So, Getting ready to go to Keith McCalmet. I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. 
Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, of course, uh, Woodbine is our sponsor at this time on Winning Ponies. So we want to reach out to them as often as we can when they start having uh, graded stakes races. I'm going to talk to uh, Keith McCalmont. Uh, about what's going on up at Woodbine. I know there's going to be huge changes. I got to spend time with Sandy Hawley last year uh, at the Phasic Tipton sale where Woodbine, you know, it was sponsoring an event room. And to see the amazing changes they're going to make up there, it's just unbelievable. But uh, so this is uh, Keith's first time start uh, on Winning Ponies. He's an award-winning writer, uh, does thoroughbreds, does standard breads. He, he's not afraid to take a long flight as uh, he's done three trips uh, to the Hong Kong International Races and just did a recent stint at the May Dan for the Dubai World Cup. So uh, we'll give you his connections on Twitter and Instagram before we go. Keith McCalmet. Welcome for the first time to Winning Ponies. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, to, to get started here, and hopefully I'll, I'll be good first time out for you here. It's, uh, we got a really great weekend ahead, a couple nice grade two races here at Woodbine, and uh, weather's looking good, so we should be on the turf both days. I'm, I'm pretty excited about this weekend. All right, well, we're going to get to those races in time, but until then, they didn't just, uh, you know, see you on a street corner and say, hey, that guy would be good for racing. Let's get him up here. Keith, tell us about uh, your your youth and your misspent youth, get youth getting into racing and, uh, you know, how you kind of, uh, you know, had different experiences and moved to the position you're in now. Sure, it's... It- you know, I, I was uh, one of those kids looking over the rail at Woodbine from a very young age. I'm, I'm from an Irish family, and my dad and I would be at Woodbine every Sunday from probably when I was five years old. And so you were mentioning Sandy Hawley earlier. I have a pair of uh, goggles that Sandy gave me when I was probably seven years old, still have wow. to this day. And I share an office with him now at Woodbine, actually. He's still an ambassador for, for the racetrack, and I'm the communications manager there. So we work together pretty closely at uh, every once in a while, I, I remember the, that moment of him going back to the jocks room and coming out with a pair of goggles. And, and it's amazing to think that moment probably led me to being where I am today because I, uh, I didn't really go to school uh, to be a communications manager. I started in law, and I spent 12 years at a law firm here in Toronto as a, as a litigation law clerk. But uh, the racing stuck with me, and so... Uh, not too, about seven, eight years ago, I started a blog just before blogs became uh, a big thing, and I was one of the first people out with blogging and Twitter, and uh, it helped me build a reputation and, and a chance to write articles for a few different magazines, and it opened a door for me. So uh, I've managed to parlay that into a few trips. As you mentioned earlier, I've, I've been a part of a social media team for the Hong Kong Jockey Club the past three years. And uh, this past uh, winter, I went over to Dubai for the first time, and uh, I've, I've had a very, very fortunate racing life. It's, uh, I'm, I'm a fan first, um, you know, and I, even now, eight, nine years into my gig at Woodbine, I, I still love it just as much, and I pinch myself at the opportunities I get. Well, I, I trust you shared that story with Sandy. <laughs> you know, Sandy, uh, he's, he is the gentleman that, that he is when you meet him. And, you know, sometimes I think when you meet a celebrity, you wonder, are they really like that? And, you know, Sandy is, is absolutely a gentleman. He is 
what what he advertises on surface, that's who he is all the way down to his core. I, I do a I do a, a backstretch tour with him twice a year, and people love him. They they I I fill two buses full of people to come out and do a backstretch tour with Sandy and. I've had the pleasure of traveling to the Breeders' Cup with him, and I know what it's like to walk down a street in, in Louisville with Sandy at your side. You're not getting anywhere fast because people are coming up to get pictures and getting autographs, and he takes it all in stride, and, and he treats every person special. So it hasn't changed, and it's, it's one of those nice stories of racing to know that somebody who was so incredibly successful has, is that humble. Yes, you know, and you know, I think of um, my younger days, even though I'm pretty close in age to some of these guys, but they were my heroes. And how over the years, because of uh, different uh, activities I've had and events I've had to set up and interviews I've done and just different situations that put me with these guys, that I've gotten to actually be friends with people like Chris McCarron and Pat Day and Sandy Hawley. And sometimes I just take a step back and I go, Wow. I mean, I know these guys by a first name now. You got to be kidding me, you know. I used to run around my brownie brownie camera and take pictures of them. Yeah, and I I think there's a maybe a generational thing there, you know, they really appreciate uh, the longevity of what they've done because it's it's a tough career being a jockey and and the ones like Sandy and Chris who had long successful careers um, they, they know what it takes to, to have gotten to where they did, and uh, I think that level of, of understanding and appreciation is, is, is where that maturity comes from. So, Well, I, I think what's most important, and I can name a few others, uh, but those three really stand out, is that what they have become is ambassadors of the sport. They understand their role now. Their role back then was winning races and talking about it, and their, their role now is to, you know, expose the public to racing, uh, to acknowledge the people that remember them for all the great moments they had. And they all seem to have an amazing appreciation now, not in a braggioso way, but just an appreciation of their career and what they've done and the fact that people recognize them and care about what they've done. It has to be a good feeling. And I I know Sandy, I can only speak from knowing Sandy, but... uh, he does care, and every appearance he does, uh, he prepares for it like you know he would have prepared for a race. He wants to know how many times he's 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 won a particular race and which horses, and we'll go back over which trips. And you know he'll even try and figure out a few winners on the card for people if he can. And uh, you know these the little details and and the taking time to to stop and take pictures of people is. Is what helps sell the sport. You know, I, I wish there were five Sandy Hollies at Woodbine, but <laughs> you know what? That's what makes him special. Is that he won as many races as he did. Um, you know, uh, just a, a young kid from from Oshawa who popped in the back of a horse at Winfield Farm and held on until he figured it out. You know, and now he's in two halls of fame. Uh, well, uh, well, again, he. Uh, the time I met him, about 10 minutes into our conversation, I felt like, have I known this guy my whole life? I mean, he was that comfortable to be around and so engaging in conversation. He was great. And, well, I'm going to move on to a couple uh, questions for you before we get into uh, to this week's races. I know one of the things that Pat Day did was win the Canadian Triple Crown. I believe it was a great horse by the name of Dance Smartly. That family had a huge influence on Canadian races. Can you 
tell me, uh, Keith McCalmet, what races compromise the Canadian Triple Crown? Um, well, it's a very, very unique Triple Crown that we run here. Uh, we've got, nowadays, because we have a tapita surface at Woodbine, it's a mile and a quarter on the tapita and the Queen's Plate. Then they shift down to Fort Erie Racetrack and do a mile and six three sixteenths in the Prince of Wales on dirt. And to finish off our Triple Crown, you come back to Woodbine and have to go a mile and a half on the turf. So you need a very, very special horse that can stay a distance of ground over multiple surfaces and in a short period of time. It's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do, and that's why greats like uh, Dance Smartly uh, come to mind uh, is Vestia with approval. Um, some, some of the more recent ones people might remember. Um, the last one, of course, came in 2003 when, when Wando won. Um, yeah. The late, great Wando for, with uh, Patrick Cousins up for Mike Keogh. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'm going to stay in touch with you. And uh, even though you're at Woodbine, I'd like you to cover those races with me. Uh, I was at Fort Erie a few times with my Buffalo and a sports writer by the name of Bob Summers that I know always covered the Queen's Plate from the Buffalo News. And what a beautiful little track that was. And I believe still is. I think they were on the verge of closing, but they're still open, right? Fort Erie's uh, alive and kicking. They're doing very well in their opening days coming up uh, this weekend, I believe, actually. So uh, uh, they're, they're getting ready to kick off again, and, and the, the Prince of Wales will be there once more. So it's, it's one of the highlights of the, of, of the Canadian racing season. And I, I think it was Bob Summers who coined the term uh, uh, the Queen's Plate as the final prep race for the Prince of Wales. So. <laughs> Bob was great. He's the, he's the uh, godfather of my of my brother's son, as a matter of fact. So we go we go back a ways. I can tell you that he's a great guy. Sad to say he's passed away, but I do believe that uh, Fort Erie, in his honor, now has the Bob Summers Memorial, and and rightfully so because he would love covering the races there and writing about them in the Buffalo News. And he he was just a, a, a super guy. Uh, you know, he was the uh, Oh, what was the nom de course that he went under? The uh, It was like the mystery handicapper. And then once in a while, he'd talk about this guy, uh, the exact kid. Well, the exact kid was my brother, Bob. And so he would tell stories about him. And they would travel all over the country, uh, going to the Triple Crown races and then going to Woodbine and going to the thing. And they, they had an old beat-up car. They used to call it the Betmobile. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, I think it was the happy handicapper, but you never knew who he was. He never used his name, Bob Summers. He would always have the binoculars. So even when you saw a photo of him, you didn't know whether or not, you know, that nobody ever really knew who it was, but he was just a great, great guy. Well, uh, I digress. All right, listen, before, once again, I'm going to tap into you to, to handicap those great twos, but can you put into perspective, uh, perspective for us? Again, we're talking to Keith McCalmet uh, from Woodbine. Um, since you're a writer and I'll say somewhat a historian, uh, the importance of the Queen's Plate in Canada. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, sometimes people reference the Queen's Plate as the Kentucky Derby of Canada, and I honestly think it's the other way around. Um, you know, the Derby is the Queen's Plate of, of the U.S. because this, this is the oldest continually run stakes race in North America. We're, we're at our 159th running this year, 
there's a, a very, very steep history and a lot of famous winners uh, over the years. It's, it's, a, it's a classic race for three-year-old Canadian breads. And uh, of late, there's been some very prominent, prominent runners. So we've, we've had, uh, you know, people at horses like Shaman Ghost and Holy Helena and, and, and Lexi Lou. And uh, these, these are horses that have, have gone on to win in the U.S. and south of the border, which often Canadian horses have to do to, to prove themselves as being great. But, uh, you know, I grew up in an era where we didn't question the greatness of Canadian racing because I, I remember with approval setting a world record at Belmont. And I remember Dan smartly going to the Breeders' Cup. And uh, there seems to be a little bit of a stigma now with Canadian horses having to prove themselves south of the border. But uh, more and more, I'm finding we're, we're much stronger than we have been the past few years. And the Queen's Plate is often indicative of that. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Keith McCalmet from Woodbine. And when we come back, uh, we're going to try to see if we can't, uh, you know, reach in our jeans and pull out some greens and cash some money on a couple of the graded stakes races that are take place up there, uh, the Nassau and the Eclipse. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, my Irish friend, Keith McCalmet is is with us now are, are, bo- are both your parents from ireland uh yeah my dad is from belfast uh as was my mom but uh, uh the accent for me is long gone although i did live over there for three years uh, in the 80s which was not a great time to be living in, in northern ireland and uh, we we escaped there so good good for you well yeah i i thought so i thought i read that something when i was uh it was uh looking at your bio well anyhow let's go to the eclipse now this is a mile and a 16th as you say they'll be racing on topeta correctly 
Yeah, we're on the Tapita main track. And, Tapita. Uh, mile and a six, yeah. So this is some of the uh, some of the better older horses uh, in Canada, and 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 it's an open race, obviously. So there are quite a few American breads in there too in a seven horse field. But this one came up pretty salty. There's three millionaires in the mix with uh, Mel Mitch, who is. Uh, he's he's been to the Breeders' Cup a couple times, uh, running in the marathon race there. So there may be some uh, recognition of this horse, but he strung out maybe five in a row last year. Uh, went five for seven, and then finished up with a couple second place finishes. He's usually a little better going longer. Um, the other millionaires in the field is uh, Are you kidding me? A two-time winner of this race for Roger Atfield, who's really both two times. Yeah, wow. He, uh, and he just missed uh, last year. I think he was second last year by a neck to Dragon Bay. So he owns this race. He, he really does own this race. Um, and then Sir Dudley Diggs, who won the Queen's Plate here in 2016 for Ken and Sarah Ramsey. Uh, he's a world traveler, and he's he's fresh off a, a win in the Barbados Gold Cup at the Garrison Savannah. So uh, probably the most international credentialed horse uh, in the field. Without a doubt, you don't see too many horses coming into your race where their last running line was at Barbados. And at six to one on the morning line, he is absolute value in this race. Uh, Nolan Ramsey, uh, who is the grandson of Ken Ramsey, has brought a string of horses up here for Michael Maker this year. It's their first time having a, a barn here for the whole meet. Uh, they've got uh, a really strong uh, group of horses. And uh, I was, we were talking to him yesterday. Dudley is absolutely kicking the barn down. And I know you hear that a lot with horses, but uh, it's absolutely an indicator for Dudley. He, he's one of these character, high-strung horses. And if he's flat, that ain't him. It's not right. So he's absolutely, you know, piss and vinegar in the morning. So you want to see him get in the race in. And, and he may be firing fresh, but I think he's firing ready. So you'll get good value on him on, on Saturday for sure. Well, you know, he's, he's a solid closer, but he's not a deep closer. He, he can usually stay within, you know, uh, four links of the pace setters and, and, and then strike when he, when he needs to. Very, very impressive. Um, the one thing that's interesting is he's never won at the distance. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a few horses in this field that I think are maybe a little better going longer. Dudley's one of them. Uh, Melmich is another who, you know, and, and they're both going to take some money. Um, whereas if you're looking for, for a horse that uh, uh, that may be f- sort of fresh-faced and not as well-known, uh, Gigantic Breeze is three for seven at the distance, went five for eight last year. That was a smaller barn for Sandy McPherson. Um, you know, he, he loves this synthetic surface here, so... He doesn't quite come with the same resume as these millionaires do, but uh, he'll definitely be he'll definitely be in the mix at the end of this race. So I, I do still think this is Are You Kidding Me's race to, to, to lose, though. Well, it's interesting. I believe you called him Sandy McPherson, the trainer. Um, I'm looking because this horse hasn't raced since early December with a head scratcher there as the favorite uh, at Gulfstream Park in the Claiming Crown Jewel. But... Uh, he is 50% 
with a 60 to 100 day layoff. 50%, that's not bad at all. Now, that's a sample of six, but still three of them. And the main thing to know is that your return of investment was almost $6 for those wins. So I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. Sandy's had a long and storied career. He's had some very good horses, uh, you know, for for Randy Otto, and uh, he's won some big races in his day. So he he knows how to get them ready, and uh, he knows how to get them to fire fresh. Obviously, off of that stat, um, and Gary Boulanger is uh, is, is going to ride him, and he's he's had great success here last year with the horse. He might be one of the few uh, options of this race that could actually be more pace friendly in a race that seems a little devoid of it. So we'll see what tactics they take on, on Saturday. Well, I see that Chantel Sutherland, where she was very successful in Canada, is is riding there now. It looks like is she back there on a regular basis. She has got 47 mounts already. She, uh, yeah, Sean, Chantel's moved home. Uh, she's purchased a home in the area, and uh, she's back. You know, for the foreseeable future, and we're glad to have her. She's a quality rider. Uh, I think she's, you know, she she's had a little bit of a slow start because she has to get back into barns again and reintroduce herself to a few trainers. But uh, my recollection of her best successes here was in turf racing. I think it's something she excels at. She's a very patient rider with good hands, and you need that on this turf course because. It's a mile and a half in circumference. Uh, when you get to the top of the lane, you still got two furlongs to go home, so you, you can't be rushing to, to get home in this course. You have to wait, wait, wait. And she's willing to do that with the horse, and that's when she gets the best out of them. All right, well, that's a great segue into the turf Nassau. Grade two going a mile. Uh, Chantel's up on Jennifer Lynette on, on the rail. Uh, this race uh, got... Uh, uh, only a field of seven uh, going for the $175,000. Uh, kind of an interesting group. It looks like uh, uh, Nijon's Eclipse will might be playing Catch Me If You Can. Seems to have the speed in here uh, and has won twice at the distance with a second and a third and kind of likes the Woodbine Strip. But Gary Boulanger, who uh, I think was pretty much born at that track, uh, I mean, I've met his son last year, you know, at Turfway Park. Um, he'll, he'll be up for the mount. I don't have any odds in this race. I don't know who the favorite is. I know that uh, Starship Jubilee has uh, just been amazingly consistent throughout her career. A uh, daughter of Indy Wind, who now stands uh, stud in Ohio, of all places. And uh, so uh, who, uh, uh, Keith McCalmet, comes to the top for you? I I. <laughs> it's even though there's not that many horses, it's a bit of a head scratcher of a race. The most consistent horse in here is Starship Jubilee. I mean, look at the turf numbers there: eighteen starts on turf, nine wins, uh, almost four hundred thousand dollars in earnings. Uh, absolutely is going to love the distance. Remember, a mile on the turf here is a one-turn mile. Uh, so she's the tactical type that that can get this this done. Um, I'm sort of looking at an outsider here, though. I, I like uh, Gianna's Dream for Mike Maker. Um, this is a horse who had its last few starts on a Gulfstream Park turf course that it didn't really like. And uh, in talking to Nolan Ramsey again the other day, he thinks this horse is going to really appreciate the expansive turf course here at Woodbine. Well, Keith, I think this is one I'll tell that you has what. A chance. 
Keith, it's been a pleasure talking with you. My producer, Josh, is saying, hey, we're running out of time. you got to go. I will be back with you throughout the summer, okay? Absolutely, gents. Appreciate it. All right. That was Keith McCalmet. Uh, I hope all you guys had a great time. Don't forget, go to winningponies.com. Pull down those easy win forms. we got racing from coast to coast. I want to thank Keith McCalmet. I want to thank Josh by gosh, my producer. And I want to thank you for listening. Spread the word. Tell your friends to listen on podcast. I'm John Englehart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.